0: We want to thank all those who are joining us by way of television. We trust that you had a very merry Christmas, and we pray that God will bless you and a happy new year as we enter 2021. Where has time gone? It just seemed like I was standing yesterday in the pulpit and saying, well, happy new year 2020. It sounds like a big number when you look back some 2000 and 21 years ago that Jesus Christ was born. We had a wonderful uh, Christmas Eve service. I think the those little lights that we had turned into laser lights as people held those up. And man, it was just like I wanted to stand up and p- pledge allegiance to the flag. Again, we want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year as we come into this year. We appreciate, you know, the response that you've given to us, those who are in prisons, I like to receive prison letters. It makes me realize what you know freedom is all about. And when those in prison find true freedom, and they can find true freedom through Christ in prison, there's a peace that truly passes our understanding and those who are hospitalized and those who are facing out surgeries. This morning, as we come to you here at Olivet United Methodist Church, Many of you have listened to, to me for weeks and months and you've missed my name. You, you want to correct me and and I want to let you know that it's not that I'm not incognito. My name is Dr. Randy Tabor, from, originated from Eagle Bend, Minnesota, and I've been in ministry for nearly 50 years. I know I look much older, but we thank you for um, your frequent turning in and your frequent conversations by letter and by telephone. And as we begin this morning, um, we begin in prayer. And if those by way of television and radio would just bow with us in a few moments of silent prayer. Father God, we just consider it a real privilege and honor to be able to convey the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that, that mighty counselor and comforter and consoler everlasting Father and Prince of Peace, Almighty God. We thank you, Lord, that we can come this morning as a privilege to enter in the homes and the hearts of of people. We're not here um, by our choice, but we are here by divine sovereignty and divine design. And and we pray that we may touch the hearts and lives of people wherever they may be, whether by television or whether by Radio or YouTube or iPods, whatever means of communication that you've blessed us and privileged us. We thank you for Robin Larson and her mother here today. And we thank you for Darwin and Gary and Kathy and many others at Boone that's going to be sharing and Mike and Tina. We thank you for the privilege of having Sunday school. We're one of very few churches that have Sunday school. And we thank you for the IRON. We thank you for those who attend his class. And now as we can attend worship by the modern means of communication, we just pray that you'd bless and anoint the service as we give it over to you from the beginning to the end. Our prayer is a prayer of John the Baptist, where John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that Christ may increase in our midst. Increase, O Lord, in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to call on um, Kurd, who many of you refer to as Boone and Curtain, Mike, as you make your way to the front of the church in preparation to share from Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verses 22 and following, and you want to pull your Bibles out. um, Let us um, join in the Lord's Prayer, and many of you, by way of television or radio, really enjoy it when we have the Lord's Prayer. And this is just a kind of a sample that the Lord has given to his disciples. The disciples, you remember, didn't teach, didn't ask Jesus to teach him to pray or teach them to preach, but he said, Lord, teach us how to pray. So join me in our Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. And forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now we have the reading of God's word according to Luke chapter 2, 22 through 40.
1: Greetings, loved ones. We are all loved. Shalom and peace Shalom, to you. Please. Peace be with you. And may this reading be blessed. Luke 2, 22 through 40. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And inspired by the Spirit, he came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared in the presence of all people, a light for salvation to the Gentiles and for the glory to thy people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is spoken against and a sword will pierce through your own soul also that thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophecy, Anna, the daughter of phenomenal the tribe of Asher, she was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years from her virginity and as a widow till she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day, and coming up at that very hour she gave thanks to God and spoke of him to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Praise be to God for the reading. Hallelujah. Luke
2: chapter 2, verse 21 through 24. Not quite sure why, but my term did not quite match the verbiage of this verse, but this passage. But... The first verse, 21, I see matches. It mentions eight days specifically because eight days was in God's law. Leviticus 12.3 states that on the eighth day, the flesh of the foreskin will be circumcised. We do this in other Christian activities for ourselves. Christ didn't do it for himself. He did it for everybody with faith in him. Jesus followed every aspect of the law as much as he fulfilled it. Jesus was sinless, and he may have skipped with the procedure of circumcision, but he followed every letter of the law in in, in both the circumcision and the baptism, in which he had no personal need. He did it for everybody that had faith in him. Also on the eighth day, besides the circumcisions, Jewish babies were named. During this procedure, Mary named Baby Jesus, as the angel had directed as the angel had directed her. Jesus literally means God saves. In verse 22, Jesus followed the law and went up to Jerusalem for purification and circumcision according to the law of Moses. This was done mainly for everybody else. We usually do Christians activities and stuff for ourselves. Jesus didn't do that. He was circumcised and got baptized for everybody else, everybody with faith in him. And that was a tradition back then because, in the Jewish faith, they would not listen to a man over the age of eight unless he had been circumcised. The rite of circumcision for Jesus had threefold benefit. The first one is the existence of a testimony that mankind was fallen and needs purification. The part that is removed represents the sinful nature of man and needs to be removed before they commune with God, before they can even be in God's presence. They have to remove all that sin. Circumcision was an act of humility and also an act of obedience to the law of God. The third point was it signified consecration, circumcision did. Consecration is a solemn dedication to a special purpose or service. That's the definition of the word con- uh, consecration. This ordinance was a physical signal of the covenant between God and the Jewish nation. This sign was a peculiar treasure for God. Verse 23 re- relates the firstborn, firstborn male is always to be dedicated to the Lord. In Leviticus, it commands that a lamb be offered a sacrifice to God after birth of a son. If the mother cannot afford a lamb, a sacrifice of two doves or pigeons, is acceptable. A special note here is that the sacrifice to purify the woman after childbirth had nothing to do with the consecration of the child that was born.
0: Thanks, Mike. Uh, thank God for, you know, his teachings. Just this um, brief passage of scripture, I'd like to read it again. Uh, I just really appreciate how um, Kurt just really emphasizes uh, certain words, and Kurt... Um, and Mike worked together during the week on the scriptures. There's significance here in eight days, as they accomplished the circumcising of the child, which was Jesus. His name was called Jesus, or the Old Testament Joshua, the Lord saves, which was named of the angel Gabriel. Gabriel, as before he was even conceived in the womb, and while the days it says of of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished. They brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present Jesus and as it was written in the law of the Lord, every male every male that opened the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and especially those firstborns and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord a pair of doves or young pigeons. I've always kind of looked at this as kind of a sign. When we um, would move from one church to another, and I particularly remember moving here to Robbinsdale or Brooklyn Park area, you know, the first initial, you know, days you kind of wonder, you know, all the things you've left when you come to a new, new location. So many friends that you, you tied the knot with. You performed funerals and weddings and baptisms and confirmations. And so many intimate times of togetherness and counseling and, and grief. And, and you, you knew things about people that oftentimes spouses and intimate others did not know about. And you carried these stories and these feelings and these memories the first um, point which demands our attention in this passage of Scripture here, and we could spend um, weeks and months, years, and just as brief passages of Scripture, what basically occurred from the birth to some eight days later. They were important. Circumcision was a very powerful message in, in the Old Testament, and the New Testament. It was kind of that covenant which differentiated especially the male population, the removal of that foreskin. And the first point which demands our attention in this passage is the obedience. Say it with me. Obedience. You know, there's nothing more important, folks, as Christians. People can talk the talk. They can supposedly walk the walk. But this act of obedience, which our Lord rendered, even as an he was an infant, an infant, to the Jewish law here, we read of Jesus being circumcised on the eighth day. It's the earliest, earliest of fact which is recorded in the life of Jesus. It is a mere waste of time to speculate, as some have done, about the reason why our Lord submitted to circumcision. We know that, according to one John chapter three five, that in Jesus there was no sin. In Jesus, there was no sin, either original sin or actual sin. So why is Jesus being circumcised was not meant in the least as an acknowledgement that there was any tendency to his corruption of his heart. It was not a confession of his inclination to sin, to evil, and of a need of grace to mortify the deeds of of his body. All this should be carefully borne in mind. Let it suffice us to remember that our Lord's circumcision was a was a public. It was a public testimony to Israel that according to the flesh, according to the flesh, Jesus was a Jew. He was made of a Jewish woman. And he was made under the law, according to Galatians chapter 4, 4. Made under the law. And without circumcision, it, he would not have fulfilled the law's requirement. And what was the law's requirement? Without it, he could not have been recognized as a son of David. And he could not have been recognized as the seed of Abraham. And let us furthermore realize that circumcision was absolutely necessary before our Lord would be heard as a teacher, as a rabbi in Israel. Without it, he would have had, to place, had no place in any, any lawful Jewish assembly, and no right to any of the Jewish ordinances. And without it, it would, would have been—he would have been regarded by all Jews, as nothing better than an uncircumcised Gentile and an apostate, an apostate from the faith of the fathers. Let our Lord's submission to an ordinance which he did not need and he did not need for himself be a lesson, a lesson for you you and I in our daily life. Let you and I endure much. Many of you have lost loved ones this past year. Many of you have gone through divorce. You've gone through financial crisis in your lives. You, many many of you have said things that you wish you had not said, and many of you have heard things that you wish you had not heard. But let us endure much rather than increase the the offense of the gospel, and we are always to be on the offense when it comes to the gospel, because if you're not going forward, it's not such a thing as standing still. You're digressing. You need to go forward. Let us endure much, rather than increase the offense of the gospel, or hinder in any way the the cause of Christ and God. The words of St. Paul deserve frequent pondering. St. Paul says, though I be free from all, And yet I have made myself a servant to all that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews and to them that are under the law as under the law that I might gain them that are under the law. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 19 through 22. I am made all things, all things to all that I might by all means save, save some. Can you, you and I, as we exit this old year of 2020, and as we enter into this new year of 2021, can we say that in all things, in our thoughts, in our doings, that, that we might do all, by all means, to reach all, for Christ's sake, to be saved? For the person who wrote these words walked very closely in the footsteps of his crucified master. He had a Damascus Road experience. And I like how Hollywood plays this out. When Paul, who was a persecutor, who was Saul, was present at the stoning of Stephen and the persecution and the death of many Christians, radically had a about change on the road to Damascus and repented, and his direction was so different that even the scribes and the Pharisees of his day wondered upon about Paul, the Apostles, Paul's psychological nature. Now, the second point which demands our attention in this passage is, a, is the name, not only a person of Christ, but the name by which our Lord was called by God's special, special command. Gabriel said his name was called what? Isn't there a power in using that name Jesus? I go back to the Jesus movement. And during that movement in the late 60s and early 70s, we were called Jesus people. Now, initially that started out as kind of almost a ridicule, but it quickly turned to a word that was powerful. In that name, which our Lord was called by God's special command, Gabriel, his name was called Jesus, which was named by the angel Gabriel before he was even conceived in the womb. I'm always eager with my grandchildren to be here, so I, I like to have a list of possible names that my children are going to name their children. And it's always interesting. I, I realize that they're my grandchildren, and it's my children that are going to name my grandchildren. But I think, as in the Old Testament, the naming of a child is so important. In the Bible, the biblical names were used as a a sense of mission and passion as a child grew, that he was to seek that goal and that objective because one's attitude determines one's aptitude, which determines one's altitude in life. The word Jesus means simply Savior. It is that name, same word, it's the same word as Joshua in the Old Testament, very striking and instructive, in the selection of that name Joshua was led the Israelites into the promised land took over that tremendous mantle of respect and promise from Moses. Moses was disobedient so he was not allowed to enter into the promised land they wandered for some 30 years in a landmass that was only like 16 miles apart they wandered and they wandered but it was Yeshu, Yeshu, Jesus, Joshua, that led the Israelites in the Promised Land. And very striking and instructive is the selection of this name. The Son of God came down from heaven to be not only the Savior, but the King, the Lawgiver, the Prophet, the Priest, the Judge, of fallen us, of you and I. Had Jesus chosen any of these titles, individually he would only have chosen that which was his very own but he passed by all of them all of them as trustworthy names and he selects a name which speaks of mercy which speaks of grace which speaks of help and and a deliverance of a lost world jesus is a deliverer and redeemer and that Jesus desires principally to be known. The prophet said, wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Let us often ask ourselves what our own hearts know of the son of God. Is he our Jesus? Is Jesus our savior? Now this is a question on which our salvation turns. Let Let us not be content as to know Jesus only historically, as one who wrought mighty miracles and, and spake as never a person spoke, or to know Jesus as one who is only God and will one day judge the world. Let us see that we know Jesus experientially, in our own spiritual experience, in our our own daily walk, in our own daily talk, to know Jesus as our deliverer from the guilt and the the power of sin and and our redeemer from Satan's bondage. I used to have a jacket that I'd, I'd oftentimes wear when I was skydiving and it had Jesus on it. And along came another individual who wore a jacket the same time that I was jumping for Jesus and he had a jacket that had Satan written on it, but it was, in, it was upside down, and he had the upside down cross on it. And he looked like Charles Manson. And as much as I tried to share Christ with him, there's very few people that would walk away from me. He just, I don't think he could stand the power of Jesus. I always kind of worried about jumping with him. I always thought, what if his chute didn't open? And I'd have to make sure my chute wouldn't open so to catch up to him to pull his chute. And so the thought would oftentimes occur to me, would he pull my chute or my secondary if the primary didn't work? Thank God that you and I have the coverage, the canopy of Jesus, his body, his blood, which was shed for us, that when we fall, he picks us up. When we're bruised or we go through the loss of a loved one, when our flesh and blood is really hurting and we're crying out for help that he Jesus is the deliverer of that guilt and that that grief and the power of sin and our redeemer from all those satanic arrows that come against us that try to create bondage in our lives let us strive to be able to say this is my friend this is my Jesus i was dead and Jesus gave me life i was a prisoner And Jesus set me free. Precious indeed is the name of Jesus to all, all believers. According to one of the um, extra gospels, which entertains the thought of Jesus, they constantly refer to Jesus as an ointment, an ointment poured out, poured forth for our healing. I kind of like that thought. It may not be um, considered the cannot be. Of the Bible, the, the biblical inspired books, but I kind of like that—that that Jesus is the ointment poured forth in our injuries, and it's kind of like matches up with the Bible that says he's the he's the balm of Gilead, the healing of Gilead. and it supports that that balm of the Holy Spirit supports us in the hour of death, according to Proverbs. 18 verse 10 that the name of Jesus the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the the righteous righteous runneth into it and and we become safe imagine Jesus as as that strong tower of perfection and and, and purpose and and healing and we run towards it and he he's our safeguard the last point last point which demands our attention is not only that Jesus was so obedient even at eight days and that there was power in his name. Sometimes, you know, people will come to me and they say, "They say, um, you were planning a family. At what age of the child do you think that we should start or begin church? And I'll I'll say, how old are you? And oftentimes they'll say, you know, they're in their 20s or so, they're beginning a family. And I'll say, well, really you should have begun serving Christ 20 years ago. 20 years ago And i say, yes, 20 years ago, if you're going to use a pattern of Jesus, you know, he at eight days was presented, was named, started serving because of his name. But for some reason, the fake news or the world condition says the child has to be born. He has to get to be a few years' age. And then the couple will start coming to church. No, couples should start immediately. Raise a child in the church. As Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and humanity, sometimes it smooths their pillows in sickness. It supports them in the hour of death. According to Proverbs 18, verse 10, the name of the Lord is that strong tower. The righteous runneth into it, and they are safe. Obedient, living up to their name. I always had parents and grandparents that said, you're Tabor, respect that name. Hold that name as a name of integrity. Even though they were not even churchgoers, I mean, they knew more about the ways of the Lord than some of the people that went to church knew of the ways of the Lord. And the last point which demands our attention is this passage this passage of Scripture which says, The poor and the humble, the poor in the humble condition of the Mother Virgin Mary. Now, it's a fact. It's a fact which at First sight may not stand out clearly in the the form of these verses, but it's a fact. But a reference to the twelfth chapter of Leviticus will at once make it very plain. There we shall see that the offering, the offering, and, and offerings were very important because it was, it was kind of like the offering sealed the deal. Because you can have Christ in your, your your head, and it kind of moves from your head your heart and for a male to his wallet to his true spirituality you get the the head and the heart you serve God with your time and your talents and your treasures the reference of the 12th chapter of Leviticus will at once make it very plain there there we see that the offering which Mary made was specially appointed to be made by poor people remember that sermon Jesus gave on the sermon on the mount blessed are the poor in spirit for they shall because it's almost like in poverty that you realize the need, the true need of Christ. See, it's, it, it's not what you give, but it's how much you have left after you've given. You remember the widow's might And sometimes we'll, we'll talk about that. But Jesus was teaching that principle of it's not how much you give, but it's how much you have left after you've given. Mary made what's specifically appointed to be made by poor people if she if she be not able to bring a lamb, then she shall bring two turtle doves or two pigeons. I began to tell you a story when we moved to um all of that as as it was, in the many moves we've made. You, you kind of wonder is this a good move? Is this the wise? And would you know it, that when the movers were moving in, what was it? The, the movers' name, Chris, that the Methodist Church uses, Mayflower, Mayflower Movers. And one of the things these flower movers told me and they've been moving United Methodist clergy around for, you know, years as long as I've been around in my moves, and and they would say to me, Those those pigeons, those turtle doves on your roof, they almost look like they're pets. We have turtle doves even to this day, and in 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 spite of the noise that my CPAP machine makes and the fan that blows on my face at night that kind of Helps you through those hot flashes. We, we periodically hear those turtle doves. And I look at it as a sign that, you know, the peace of Christ is dwelling in his home. Leviticus chapter twelve six says, If she be not able to bring a lamb, then she shall bring two turtles or two young pigeons. Turtle doves are two young pigeons. In short, In short, her offering was a very public, a very public declaration that she was poor, that she was poor Mary. Joseph were very poor. Poverty, it is manifest, was our Lord's portion upon earth from the days of Jesus' earliest infancy. Jesus was nursed. Jesus was nursed and tended as a babe by a very poor poor family. Jesus passed the first 30 years of his life on earth under the roof of a poor, poor family. And we need not doubt that Jesus ate a very poor man's Food and, and wore a poor man's apparel and worked a poor man's work and shared in all of a, all of the poor person's troubles. Such condescension is truly marvelous. Such an example of humility passes one's understanding. Facts like these often ought often to be laid to heart by by poor people. Jesus says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit." They would help to silence the murmuring and the complaining and go far to reconcile them to their their hard lot. The simple fact that Jesus was born of a poor family and lived all of his life on earth among poor people and ought not to silence the common argument and suggestion that religion is not for the poor. And above all, it ought to encourage every poor believer in all their approaches to the throne of grace in prayer. Let that one, let us remember in closing all the prayers that Jesus, our mighty mediator in heaven, is accustomed to poverty and and knows by experience his the heart of a poor person. Woe would it be for the world if working people, working people, would only see that Christ is a true poor man's friend. Father, we pray this morning that you would remind us that we are truly favored of God. It's not always what we give, but we. But what we have after we give and what is left, the use of our time and the use of our, our talents and use of our treasures. And Jesus does not ask us about all of our abilities, but our availability. How available are we as we seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness? And as we ask ourselves the questions of, of the past, we ask it in retrospect to make a New Year's resolution. To resolve to seek first the kingdom of God and all of God's righteousness. To ask for forgiveness of not only our sins, of what we committed, but the things we've omitted in our lives. Omitted. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and those Christians by by television and those non-Christians and those things so feel so or hope-so Christians but that night have never entered into that knowing so now if somebody were to ask me if I love my wife or my grandchildren if I said I think I do or I hope I do or I feel I do no it's I know I do and, and father move us from thinking and hoping and feeling to a real knowing relationship for we become excited that we are favored of God and as one glorious member of our church here often says how you feeling and Mike says I'm blessed and highly favored. And that should be our New Year's resolution. Say it with me. I am blessed and highly favored. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as we dedicate and rededicate, not only the the past year, but the future year, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I have sinned in things I've done and left undone. Forgive me, O Lord. Come into my heart and life. I dedicate. My time, my talents, and my treasures to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And would you turn to our offertory prayer and would you be so kind to say this prayer with me? God of hope and joy, the gifts we offer to you pale when our minds try to grasp all we have been given in this season wholeness in our woundedness, hope in our despair, peace in our turmoil, forgiveness in our rebellion. Like Simeon, our eyes have seen your salvation, and you give us light in our darkness. Help us embrace your in- extravagant generosity as we give ourselves to others. In our Savior's holy name we pray. Amen. And as we close, would you stand with me for the benediction and the offering plates are at the back of the church, and there are letters that if you'd like to um, send greetings, you can place your names on those. announcements and as you come and want to share an announcement this morning if you have a loved one that would like to have a prayer concern or so or a card just bring that card to church and we'll leave it at the back of the table and we'll make sure that they um, are prayed for and and are sent that card any announcements claudia you had a word that you wanted to share you want to come up front right and is there anybody else other than Claudia this morning, continue to pray for Claudia. I mean, she's going through a lot of. She's got a lot on her plate. You want to use this mic, or you want to use that mic? Yeah. Um, get that mic right. That's. I think that's a lower mic than this, know. and just get it in front of your face. Can you uh, like a popsicle? My, you know, like
3: my a husband Amiel. Um, I don't know what he was thinking. He he wanted to know um, if his birthday ever fell on somebody's. Uh, famous birthday, or something like that. Not, not that we, you know, go after famous people or stars or stuff, but he did this and, and he just looked it up on the internet who was um, whose name fell on his birthday. And the only one that he ever found was Benjamin Netanyahu. And it was the exact day, exact, exact date, and everything. They were the exact same age. And so since we knew that. Um, it was him. We started making birthday cakes every single year after that, and we'd take a picture. and And, uh, and the first time um, Amiel sent him Benjamin Netanyahu the Knesset the picture and a letter saying, um, you know, happy birthday to Benjamin. And and uh, we did. He did get a response back saying. Um, Uh, from his secretary, thank you so very much. He is obliged, and and he he thanks you for that. Well, uh, this year, um, I was thinking that, you know, um, that maybe we could get a phone call. Maybe we could meet somebody (laughs) that that we could get a phone call from Benjamin Netanyahu. And I knew a couple people. I actually ran into a person that could maybe seriously get a hold of Benjamin Netanyahu and then around his birthday he could call. It wouldn't take any problem at all. And, um, and I told it to my girlfriend that uh, worked for Sarah Care, the hospice, and she goes, well, I'll see what I can do, Claudia. And I asked a couple of other people also. And so um, uh, lo and behold, um, uh, uh, the... Um
0: you got that letter uh, with you?
3: I, I do have it, but something there's been an update on it, and so the day, for some reason, um, when my husband was really really sick, he said to Sharon, he says, "Sharon, I hope I make it another week. I hope I make it till next week." And we didn't know why. Well, it was um, the day that Amiel died. That that morning. Um, Somebody from Asserah Care, the hospice, came in with a surprise, and it was a letter from Benjamin Netanyahu. And this is what it read. You
0: want me to read it? My
3: dear mystery Eliyahu. Allow me to wish you a belated happy birthday. I saw a photo of the cake you had made in my honor, and I'm truly moved by your thoughtful gesture. I also, hope, I also deeply appreciate your staunch support. It was heartwarming to read of your wife's and your prayers. Please know that you will be in mine as well. Sincerely, Benjamin Netanyahu. This is a copy of that letter. Last night, my daughter and I received the original from Benjamin Netanyahu. They sent it from Israel, and if anybody wants to look at it, they can. You wouldn't frame that. Got it that. from a Sarah Care, got it in the mail, and here it is. Pretty cool, huh? Seal. Very, very cool.
0: Israeli seal on it.
3: Here's the original letter that he told his secretary to type up, and this is it. I mean... as as far as we know. And I just wanted to say that, boy, the God of Israel is so cool. He's so cool. Amen. He's so powerful. You know, and I say, you know, whatever you believe, Amiel, whether you're soul-sleeping or you are in heaven, which it says it both ways, Benjamin Netanyahu ain't got nothing on God and Moses and David and all the people that he's up there with, you know, (laughs) but Benjamin Netanyahu is a warrior, and he loves God. They have to have clean hands, because I don't know how to put it together or anything, but put it
0: under glass. Don't worship it, you know. So there you go. Why don't you put it? cool or what? That's cool. Amen. You want to put that in a picture frame, bring it back next Sunday so we can circulate it, so there's some glass between the reality of it. Yeah. You know, hey. It's his. So amen praise the lord let's let's lift our hands to claudia father we just want to bless claudia and and we thank you for the general's letter leader of israel former general and now then just a supreme leader we thank you how he touched rabbi's life and born on the same date and celebrated the birth together all those years now rabbi is at home with the lord Bless and strengthen Claudia, anoint her, touch her from the top of her head to the soles of her feet as she goes through this grieving process. Be with her as we plan this celebration of life on January 5th. Bless that service, service here and the service at Fort Snelling. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you, bless you. If we don't have any other announcements, we'll see you on Wednesday night or any night before or, or next Sunday bless you. May the Lord continue to bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious and merciful unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Robin you want to come to my office Claudia would like to meet with Robin and I immediately